Hi, you are listening to the Empowered Parent Podcast with me, Dana Baltudas, speech pathologist, parent coach, and NLP practitioner. I am passionate and committed to supporting parents to be the very best they can be for the children they care for. My career has enabled me to meet and work with many inspiring individuals who have contributed positively to children's lives either as parents, grandparents, aunties, uncles, friends, professionals, community members and volunteers. The aim of this podcast is to bring their stories to you so you can learn from their experiences and also have an opportunity to have your story and voice heard by others. Only by sharing with each other can we learn together. It definitely takes a village to raise a child. So let's get inspired, let's get learning, let's get started. I'm really honoured to have Alyssa Cummings with me here today, joining us for episode three of the Empowered Parent with Dana Baltudas podcast. Welcome, Alyssa. Thanks, Dana. It's really nice to be on the podcast today. Alyssa, you are a specialist paediatric occupational therapist with over a decade of experience within the field of occupational therapy. Over your years of clinical practice, you have worked with parents and families who live in both country and metropolitan areas within South Australia. You're a DIR floor time certified practitioner, and this, along with your clinical experience, has allowed you to develop a greater understanding of sensory profiles, which we are going to be introduced by you today. Alyssa, you also understand parent and child regulation very deeply. You've coached and trained many parents and therapists in your career over the years. In fact, you and I have worked together quite a bit over the last eight years. You are such a great coach and mentor to many parents and therapists that you've worked with over the years, but that I know people seek you out for your expertise and passion in the area. You support parents and therapists not only to develop their skills, but to also develop their understanding how each person's sensory profile and regulation capacity can affect how they may interact with those around them and their environment. You're passionate about equipping parents and therapists with the knowledge and skills to best support the children in their lives in a confident and sustainable way. Alyssa, I know now that you run your own business called Alyssa Cummings Occupational Therapy. Congratulations on that. Thanks, Dana. And I know that's where you consult parents to assist them in learning about themselves and their children. Your main interest area is sensory profiles and how these affect parent and child relationships which is a very, very important area and very complex. Yeah, it is. I'm very excited to delve even deeper and have a bit of chat with you about it today. Mm, Great. So, Alyssa, having worked with so many parents and families, what do you think that an empowered parent is? I think after working with parents for several years now, I think an empowered parent is someone that has an openness to learning Um, and an ability to reflect upon themselves. Mm -hmm. It gives them that opportunity to be able to 
then be open to see their child's strengths and their own strengths, but also those strengths supporting them to be able to tune into their own and their child's needs. Mm -hmm. It also is important that they have an ability to adapt so that they're able to bring in that reflective capacity and then adapt to what best supports themselves and their child. And I suppose finally, one of the main things that I think about when thinking about an empowered parent is an ability to know when they need to take a break and rest from the pressures of life. I think that's really, really important. And, you know, we need to remind parents all the time, you know, when was the last time you had a holiday? When was the last time you had a break? And I think, you know, like in my work, as I'm sure in yours, parents often put themselves second. Yet we know that it's important for them to put on their oxygen mask before they put their child's oxygen mask on. Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. So, Alyssa, as an occupational therapist, what would be one of the first things you would work on with parents to get them going on their journey to their self-empowerment so they are able to assist their child and assist them as best they can? I think the first thing I need to think about with the parent is their current capacity. So I need to consider what they are currently doing, what um, pressures they might have going on in life, whether they have other ongoing commitments. And from that, I'm able to gauge, okay, so where do we start? How deep can we go um, Mm. in regards to their current capacity? Mm. Whether that needs to be over a single session or multiple sessions, depending on how they need that spaced out. It's also understanding that each parent has each person really has Mm. a different capacity in regards to being able to take on information Mm. um, and knowing that some prefer that written and or verbal. um, It all kind of varies. So considering what is their best kind of learning strategy. Um, It's also important to explore whether they are even ready to learn about themselves in a deeper way. So always having, I'm always having those conversations with parents where I can start off with some very simple reflective questions so that I can develop an understanding of where they're at in regards to their ability and openness to learn about both their own and their child's sensory profile. So I guess one of the first things that you're doing all the time is setting the parent up for success. Definitely. And it doesn't matter how fast they're going or how deep they're going, it's where they're at at the time of their life um, and understanding where their child is at as well. Is that correct? Yes. And I've learned from my own personal experiences in my life that it's important to be able to step back and see what capacity you have to be able to take on any new information that Mm. you might need to take on Mm. so that you're not spreading yourself thin and trying to be able to absorb information from lots of different areas, instead trying to be able to focus on one area at one given time and then being able to absorb that information and focus on that to ensure that you're taking it all in. Mm, I get that. And I think, as we talked about in the in my last episode, um, that, you know, people often feel judged, they feel shame, they feel guilt, they might compare themselves with others. Um, so I think it's so important that they know that it is their journey, their unique journey, and you would be helping them on that unique journey. Absolutely. And it's considering as well... Um, It's also considering that whether um, there's families or parents that um, identify themselves as neurodiverse Mm. um, and considering that as well in Mm. regards to their learning styles and Mm. then adapting to that as well. Mm. That is so important, very important. Well, the million-dollar question today is, so what is a sensory profile? 
Well, essentially, a sensory profile is a summary of the different sensory areas and how you personally respond to these. Those areas are including touch input, so tactile input, oral input, so it might be that you have preferences around certain foods or tastes, um, as well as auditory input. So for myself, I really love my noise-cancelling headphones, Mm. but at other times I can really enjoy some loud music that Mm. helps me focus. It Mm. kind of fluctuates. Um, as well as smell, so some people can be extremely sensitive to smells, um, as well as vestibular, which is the concept of movement through space, so your body movement through space. So being aware, for example, for children, it would be often they'll be seeking that vestibular input through trampoline jumping or swinging, and often we'll see earlier on in the years, if it is a child that needs that increased vestibular input, that they'll be seeking it a lot more than when they're growing older because they often reach that threshold Mm. of development in regards to that area. And then finally, we've got proprioceptive input, which is so much so important in regards to our nervous system, our central nervous system, because that deeper input with some deep pressure can really help children and parents and really any person if they um, feel comfortable with that or mm. through a weighted blanket if it's not for other people or those types of deep pressures, just being able to mm. calm the body through the muscles and joints. Mm. That's really interesting. And I'm just thinking about myself. So I love proprioceptive input. So I love deep pressure. I love walking. I love hiking. I love climbing up hills. So that's all you know, inputs through my joints, right? Absolutely, yeah. Mm, mm. And that's the same, yeah, exactly. So some people particularly enjoy um, uh, hiking, particularly because you're needing to put more of an input through Mm. your joints as opposed to, say, a steady walk. Mm, mm. For me, I know that I love my weighted blanket. It's great. Mm. It's something that's really um, comforting and really supportive um, if I've had a stressful day. Mm. Um, and but then some people can't stand weighted blankets, mm. and that's just their sensory profile. Mm. For them, something that might be calming might even just be through their oral input, which is, for example, a cold glass of water might mm. be really grounding for them. Mm. And for me, it's crunchy biscuits. Oh, <laughs> crunchy biscuits! Yum, they're the best, right? Wow, really interesting. I'd love to go more deeper into this in our future podcasts. I oh, think that'll that, be Donna. so great. Um, And I guess the beauty is there's no right or wrong. We're all so unique and I think it's really great to have a laugh Mm. and I know if you're living with people with different sensory profiles, sometimes they'd probably be matching and sometimes they'd be mismatching. Um, I guess like I'm just really interested, um, can sensory profiles change? For example, I know I'm a person who likes touch and to have hand-on experience Um. And this might be useful when I'm working with children who like to be touched. But um, I found in my um, years working with children, it could be problematic for those who are more tactile defensive or more sensitive to touch and prefer to just be left alone when it comes to touch. Could my profile change as I grow older? Absolutely, yes. As people grow older, often their sensory responses change to sensory input as they experience increased exposure. For your example, Dana, it seems you already have the awareness of your preferences, which Mm. is great. Mm. From there, it's about utilising your own reflective capacity to adapt with the children you're working with. Mm -hmm. For example, for a child who does not prefer touch, they may prefer movement or some other sensory input, Mm. and instead this can be incorporated into their session. 
For yourself, it would then be about finding avenues during your day where you are able to receive the sensory input that you seek Mm. outside of those sessions. Mm. I know that um, for those children who love to swing, so the vestibular input, uh, that is not one of my preferred sensory inputs. And I feel sometimes when I'm on the swing, I'm doing it, but I'm gritting my teeth and I'm closing my eyes. But I know it's right for the child at the time. Have you seen adults and therapists and parents who really have to work against their profile just to match the child's? Oh, absolutely. Um, some parents, um, something that comes to mind particularly is around messy play. Oh, yeah. So a lot of parents, when it comes to Play-Doh or shaving cream, for the child, they're just all in there, like their entire body's covered in shaving cream or their hands are really messy and there's a, par- and there's a parent in the session cleaning up around them <laughs> as they go and often I have to go, oh, just a second, where's that coming from? And reflect and wonder, what, where, is, where is this about this? And then most of the time they're able to go, oh, I just can't, I just can't deal with m- messy environments. And so that could be from a tactile perspective but it could also be from a visual perspective yeah right it may be visually too much yeah right yeah I've seen that too it's really interesting really interesting um and so great that you as an occupational therapist can highlight some of these moments to parents so then they can reflect on their own I guess behaviors and why they like doing things in certain ways and again how that could support their child or clash with their child's profile absolutely yeah And I think if there's a mismatch of profiles, it can cause anxiety Mm. within both the parent themselves or the child, but also within the relationship. Mm. Um, So it's all about developing that greater awareness of ourselves and having Mm. that reflective capacity Mm. um, of both our own, but also a person's, a child's profile. Mm. It can support um, a parent to be able to adapt within interactions with your child, with their child. um, And they're also able to learn how and when they can prioritise their needs outside of that relationship. For example, having quiet time after the children have gone to bed. Mm. Although I understand that for some parents, particularly um, with children that may have some um, developmental needs, those types of things, um, it can be even difficult to get those moments. Mm -hmm. And I think that also goes for therapists working with parents, right? Because again, okay, we're talking about parents here, but therapists have their um, unique profiles and sometimes they have a mismatch with a parent they might be working with. Um, so a parent a therapist might be um, very verbal or enjoys messy play and the, the child might like that, but the parent might be quite averse to it. Mm. Have you seen that in your yeah, work? Yeah, I mm. think as well it's just considering that absolutely when coaching parents in my past experiences, it's been that I've also been aware that uh, I'm always checking in with the parents mm. to see how they're going, mm. but more from a perspective of is this too much information? Mm. Is it enough information? Mm. Do you prefer your information through us having these conversations now? Mm. Do you prefer them through written email? All mm. those types of things. Because mm. for some people it's a lot easier to process when it's mm. written down because it's through their visual system. Mm. And I've had parents that have often said to me, look, I can't, listen right now because I've got to be here with my child. I can't multitask, which is part of their profile, right? And uh, my learning is through, like you say, written information. So that's where it's really important to write things down for the parent. Is that right? Definitely, yeah. Yeah. So 
Alyssa, I guess another question that comes to my mind is how can parents find out about their profile or even better, what does a session with you look like? Can you work with parents around this? Yeah, I can. Um, They can work with me so that I'm able to guide them through developing a greater awareness of their sensory preferences as well as their child's. And, of course, liaising with their um, child's therapist as well, Mm. um, who's probably developed a profile around that as well. Um, Just being able to support the parent to learn adaptable and practical strategies to Mm. support interactions with their child despite potential mismatches of profiles Mm. because some some of our preferences in our profiles are very strong. Mm. And so it might be really difficult for for one parent particularly to be able to experience that messy play. Mm. But, for example, we could... Um, meet in the middle and have some messy play but only certain types of messy play Mm. or some messy play within a particular zone so it doesn't become the entire house, (laughs) those types of things. So trying to meet almost like a negotiation. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I guess like if the child has got, you know, multiple carers or, or, or things like that, then, you know, one parent might or one carer might prefer rough and tumble play mm-hmm. and the other one might prefer reading and puzzles or something yeah. like that. Would, is that something yeah. that you see a lot as well? Yes, but it can also be another opportunity to reflect upon mismatches in that circumstance. Oh, yeah, right. So thinking about how um, a child that likes rough and tumble play may have one parent that does a lot of that rough and tumble play, mm. but when they're with the other parent, that child's expecting the rough and tumble play, but that parent is not the rough and tumble person. Mm. And that can come from injuries, it can come from just that's their profile, mm. but that can be difficult with that mismatch. So that's also having those conversations even with two parents around their mismatches and their two profiles mm. to see, okay, how can we work their profiles together and how can I work with them to work their profiles together and how can we um, support the child to understand that? So whose profile is which mm. and which preferences are who and the, then that's able to then best support their child. Mm. Within a and, and I can see how this then starts to uh, widen into grandparents, aunties, uncles, teachers. I mean, it's a whole community of profiles out there that we have. Yeah, it is. And, <laughs> it's, and if you start thinking about it when you're out in the community, <laughs> You can almost see each person's like aspects of their profile and you yeah. go, oh, that person is not enjoying the noise right now. <laughs> or that person just really likes the cold foods or the cold movement. water or the movement oh. and those types of things, yeah. Wow, that is so fascinating. That is so fascinating. Okay, so Alyssa, how can parents reach you? Uh, so they can reach me through my website, which is Alyssa, A-L-Y-S-S-A, Cummings, O-T.com via my online contact form. Okay, that's great. And um, we've got your um, website details in the description below as well. So parents want to to, um, uh, contact you. Um, And the other thing I know parents will be wanting to know and asking is can they access you through their child's NDIS funds? Yes, they can if they are plan-managed or self-managed. Okay. All right. So that's really good news as well. That means that if you're plan or self-managed, you can access Alyssa and learn more about your own profile, your child's profile, maybe even about your partner's profile yeah. and have fun with that. Yes. Right? And also just um, adding on to that, it's because um, under the NDIS funds, it can be, it's about supporting yourself 
so that you are able to support your child's development. Yeah. And Alyssa, would you be able to help therapists with their profiles? Yeah. So I also provide a professional supervision for therapists, mm-hmm. um, specifically around uh, sensory profiles and regulation, mm-hmm. um, which are my main passion areas. Yes. Um, but also have been known to support um, therapists uh, generally clinically as well. Wow, that's fantastic. I know that you support some of our therapists and yeah. will continue to do so. And, and I love it. <laughs> and our therapists just love, love, love Alyssa. So if you're a therapist out there or a parent and you want to find out more about your own profile and how that um, enhances or challenges your relationship with yourself, maybe in your environment, with your child, your partner, your friends, your work colleagues, your employer, um, reach out to Alyssa and um, seek out some help from her. Well, Alyssa, thank you so much for joining us today. It has been a pleasure and so informative and insightful. Um, I am now starting again to think about my own profile and how it affects my professional and personal relationships. Um, If anyone has any questions or comments for Alyssa, please email Alyssa or you could do that. uh, You can email me and I could get in touch with Alyssa through our websites, um, the links for which you can find in the description below or leave a comment in the comment section. I mean, I think this conversation could just go on and on and on. I really do. Um, Alyssa, this is a fascinating area and I'm sure I will have you back in the near future to fletch out some of the concepts at a deeper level um, that were mentioned today. Um, As parents, I'm sure we'll have many questions to ask you and they will just start reflecting on their profiles. So thanks for coming in. And um, I really love uh, listening about profiles. And thank you so much again for having me, Donna. It's been great to join. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. And I hope you found the information in this podcast useful. Please like, share and subscribe. Be sure to listen next week for more information about getting empowered to be the best you can be for the child you care for. If you are interested in finding out more about your unique self and situation and to be coached by me, Dana Baltudis, please contact me via my website in the description below. And remember, you stay empowered by learning more about yourself, staying true to yourself and therefore true to your child. By being empowered, you bring out the best in yourself, which brings out the best in your child.